Today is the eighth day of September. Welcome to PsalmsCast. I am Denise, and it's great to be here with you as we move through Hump Day, the center of the week. And of course, no matter what day, month, or year that it is, we're going to follow tradition and pick up where we left off yesterday in our month-long exploration of the book of Psalms. Ahead of us today, as we journey through these five chapters, there is powerful. Friends, it is powerful. I am so in awe of our God, how these words that were written oh over 3,000 years ago still apply to us today. So let's dive in and see what the Lord has for each one of us as we traverse through Psalm 8, Psalm 38, Psalm 68, Psalm 98, and Psalm 128. And we are reading from the voice translation of the Bible. Now, for those who want to go deeper into God's Word today, we are wrapping up the Gospel of Luke today and tomorrow, and today we are in chapter 23. But as we do every day, let's pause and invite the Lord to be the focus for this time. Gracious Heavenly Father, we come humbly into your presence right now, desiring to draw near to you. We are so desperate for comfort, for direction, for wisdom, because this life journey is rather challenging. But we know that you hear our prayers. You generously offer mercy and grace in abundance for those who choose you because you love us. As we journey into your living word, spark joy inside of us and infuse us with your peace, a peace that passes all human understanding. We are opening our minds and our hearts to you with the desire that your Holy Spirit will work within, transforming us from the inside out. Lead, guide, and illuminate as we journey today. This Davidic psalm is based on Genesis 1, and it celebrates not only God's majesty as creator, but also the unique place of human beings in his creation. Psalm 8, a song of David accompanied by the harp. O eternal our Lord, your majestic name is heard throughout the earth. Your magnificent glory shines far above the heavens. From the mouths and souls of infants and toddlers, the most innocent, you have decreed power to stop your adversaries and quash those who seek revenge. When I gaze to the skies and meditate on your creation, on the moon, stars, and all you have made, I can't help but wonder why you care about mortals, sons and daughters of men, specks of dust floating about the cosmos. But you placed the Son of Man just beneath God and honored him like royalty, crowning him with glory and honor. You ordained him to govern the works of your hands, to nurture the offspring of your divine imagination. You placed everything on earth beneath his feet, all kinds of domestic animals, even the wild animals in the fields and forests, the birds of the sky and the fish of the sea, all the multitudes of living things that travel the currents of the oceans. O Eternal, our Lord, Your majestic name is heard throughout the earth. Psalm 38, 
This is one of a group of psalms known in later tradition as the penitential psalms, namely psalms that confess sin and express confidence in God's mercy. In this psalm, a serious illness threatens the life of the worshiper. Psalm 38, a song of David for remembering. O Eternal One, please do not scold me in your anger. Though your wrath is just, do not correct me in your fury. The arrows from your bow have penetrated my flesh. Your hand has come down hard on me. Because your anger has infected the depths of my being and stolen my health, my flesh is ill. My bones are no longer sound because of all the sins I have committed. My guilt has covered me. It's more than I can handle. This burden is too heavy for me to carry. Now sores cover me, infected and putrid sores, because of all the foolish things I have done. I am bent down, cowering in fear, prostrate on the ground. I spend the day in mourning, guilty tears stinging and burning my eyes. My back aches. I am full of fever. My body is no longer whole, no longer well. I am completely numb, totally spent, hopelessly crushed. The agitation of my heart makes me groan. O Lord, you know all my desires. Nothing escapes you. You hear my every moan. My heart pounds against my chest. My vigor is completely drained. My eyes were once bright, but now the brightness is all gone. Even my friends and loved ones turn away when they see this marked man. Those closest to me are no longer close at all. Those who want me dead lay traps upon my path. Those who desire my downfall threaten. My end is near. They spend their days plotting against me. Like one who is deaf, my ears do not hear. Like one who is mute, my tongue cannot speak. The truth is this. I am like one who cannot hear. I cannot even protest against them. Still, I wait expectantly for you, O Eternal One, knowing you will answer me in some way, O Lord, my true God. I only asked, when I stumble on the narrow path, don't let them boast or celebrate my failure. I am prepared for what may come. My time must be short, my pain and suffering a constant companion. I confess, I have sinned, and I regret the wrong I have done. My enemies are alive and well. They are powerful and on the increase, and for no reason, they hate me. When I do good, my opponents reward me with evil. Though I pursue what is right, they stand against me. Eternal One, do not leave me to their mercy. My true God, don't be far from me when they are near. I need your help now not later. O Lord, be my rescuer. Psalm 68. This is a psalm describing God as a divine warrior marching from Sinai toward the wilderness to make his home in Jerusalem. Psalm 68, a song of David. May the true God rise up and show himself. May those who are united against him be dispersed while the people who hate him run away at the sight of him. As smoke disappears when it is blown by the wind, 
May you blow away your enemies forever. As wax melts in the presence of fire, may the wicked heart melt away in God's presence. But may those who are righteous rejoice in the presence of the true God. So may they be glad and rejoice. Yes, let them celebrate with joy. Sing songs of praise to the name that belongs to the true God. Let your voices ring out in songs of praise to Him, the one who rides through the deserted places. His name is the Eternal. Celebrate in His glorious presence. The true God, who inhabits sacred space, is a father to the fatherless, a defender of widows. He makes a home for those who are alone. He frees the prisoners and leads them to prosper. Yet those who rebel against him live in the barren land without his blessings and prosperity. O true God, when you led your enslaved people from Egypt, when you journeyed with us through the wilderness, the whole earth trembled. The sky poured down rain at the power of your presence. Even Mount Sinai trembled in your presence. The presence of the true God, the God of Israel. You sent a heavy downpour to soak the ground, O true God. You refreshed the land, the land your people would inherit when it was parched and dry. Your covenant people made their homes in the land. And because you are so good, you provide it for those crushed by poverty, O true God. The Lord gives the word. There are very many women ready to tell the good news. Kings who lead the armies are on the run. They are on the run. And the woman who stays at home is ready too, ready to enjoy the treasures that they've left behind. When they lay down among the campfires and open the saddlebags, imagine what they'll find. A beautiful dove, its wings covered with silver, its feathers a shimmering gold. When the Almighty scattered the kings from that place, it was snowing in Zalman. O Mount Bashan, you mighty mountain of the true God, mountain of many peaks, O Mount Bashan, why are you so jealous, O mountain of many peaks? When you look at the mountain, the true God is chosen as his dwelling place. The Eternal will surely abide on Mount Zion forever. The chariots of God are innumerable. There are thousands upon thousands of them. The Lord is in their midst, just as He was at Mount Sinai. He has come into the holy place. When you ascend the sacred mountain, with your prisoners in tow, your captives in chains, you sat in triumph receiving gifts from men, even from those who rebelled against you, so that you, the eternal God, might take up residence there. Blessed be the Lord, who carries our heavy loads every day, the true God who is our salvation. We know our God is the God who delivers us, and the eternal the Lord is the one who saves us from the grip of death. The true God will certainly shatter the skulls of those who oppose him, He'll smash the hairy head of the man who continues on his sinful ways. The Lord said, I will bring the enemy back from Bashan. I will bring them back from the deepest parts of the sea, so that you may plant your feet in their blood, and your dogs may lick up their portion of the foe. 
The solemn march in your honor, O true God, has come into view. The march that celebrates my God, my King, has come into the sanctuary. The singers went first and the musicians came last, between rows of girls who played tambourines. Come, let us gather to bless the true God and to praise the Eternal, He who is the fountain of Israel, the source of our life. Look, there are the rulers of Benjamin, the youngest and the lead. A great crowd follows, the princes of Judah, the princes of Zebulon, the princes of Naphtali. Your God is the one who has given you strength. Show your power, O true God, as you have done for us. Because of your magnificent temple in Jerusalem, many kings will line up to bring you gifts. Reprimand the beasts and the tall grass, the herds of bulls that are with the people's calves, trampling over the pieces of silver. He has driven out the people who love to be at war. Ambassadors will come from Egypt. The people of Ethiopia will reach out their hands to the one true God. Let all the kingdoms of the earth sing to the true God. Sing songs of praise to the Lord. To him who rides high up beyond the heavens, which has been since ancient times. Watch and listen. His voice speaks and it is powerful and strong. Attribute power to the one true God. His royal splendor is evident over Israel, and His power courses through the clouds. O true God, You are awesome from the holy place where You dwell. The true God of Israel Himself grants strength and power to His people. Blessed be our God. 98 is a psalm that invites all people on earth and creation itself to join in singing a new song of beautiful noise, celebrating God's justice and victories. Psalm 98, a song. Compose a new song and sing it to the Eternal because of the unbelievable things He has done. He has won the victory with the skill of His right hand and the strength of His holy arm. The Eternal has made it clear that He saves, and He has shown the nations that He does what is right. He has been true to His promises. Fresh in His mind is His unfailing love for all of Israel. Even the ends of the earth have witnessed how our God saves. Raise your voices. Make a beautiful noise to the Eternal, all the earth. Let your joy explode into song and praise. Make music to the Eternal with the harp. Sing a beautiful melody with the harp and chorus, with trumpets and horns. Fill the air with joyful shouts to the King, the Eternal. Let the sea rumble and roar, and all the creatures it holds shout praise. Let the whole world and all those who live in it join the celebration. Let the rivers applaud and the mountains join in joyful song in the presence of the Eternal, because He is coming to judge the earth. He is coming and His judgment will be what is right for the world and just to all people. Psalm for today is Psalm 128, a song for those journeying to worship. Those who stand in awe of the Eternal, who follow wherever He leads, Commit it in their hearts, experience his blessings. 
God will use your hard work to provide you food. You will prosper in your labor, and it will go well for you. Your wife will be like a healthy vine producing plenty of fruit, a spring of life in your home. Your children will be like young olive shoots. You will watch them bud and bloom around your table. Such are the blessings the Eternal lavishes on those who stand in awe of Him. May the Eternal continue to pour out His love on you, showering down blessings from His holy mountain, Zion. May you see Jerusalem prosper all your days. May you have the privilege of seeing your grandchildren as they grow. May peace flourish in Israel. There a beautiful and spirit-inspired post from Leah Denoma. She and her husband James post on Facebook through Philema Ministries. A time of searching the heart. Here we are again, the season of the feasts of our King. The days between trumpets and the Day of Atonement have been so significant to me in the past few years, and I have seen the Most High show up in such powerful ways. Last year, during this time, I sought the Most High to break roots of bitterness that I was finally ready to lay at His feet. That deliverance was a marker of significance for me, as it healed a relationship that needed healing in such completely perfect timing. These last few years have brought layers of deliverance and tears and bolstering in the spirit. I have learned this. 1. Humility. Pride is often what stands in the way of true repentance and deliverance. We refuse to acknowledge sin or our need to be delivered, and in that we often stay in bondage we don't even know we have. Number two, desperation. A heart unfolded before the king. We see in every recounting of healing and deliverance from scripture, a heart of humility, belief, and desperation. A woman grasping at the hem of Yeshua's garment, a parent pleading for a demon to be cast out of a child, or a tearful petition for healing of a loved one. 3. Faith Faith without wavering that He can. Pure belief that in His perfect will and timing that He can deliver us from every bondage and sin. He can. Number 4. Forgiveness Forgiving others and self. Yes, self-hatred is at the root of much bondage. While it may take time for our feelings to catch up with our decisions, we must decide to forgive as we have been forgiven. This does not mean you have to allow certain people to have access to your life, but rather it is a firm understanding that they are simply operating in their own darkness, ignorance, futility, bondage, or deception, and need forgiveness just as much as you do. We must acknowledge that if the king of all can remember our sins no more, and if his sacrifice is perfect and complete, then we must not trample that by holding ourselves in a prison cell of what we were. Self-hatred must go in Yeshua's name. Fasting. Some of these only come out by prayer and fasting. Discipline and fasting. This beloved family in Messiah is a time of gratitude 
for the perfect work of atonement by the blood of Jesus Christ and to search our hearts, houses, and lives for anything that still needs repenting for. Hold on to nothing, for this world and its desires is passing away, but he who does the will of God lives forever. What needs to go? Search us, O Yah, our Redeemer. Wow, that is very powerful, and this is also my prayer as well. I do want the Lord God, the Eternal, to spotlight every area where I have fallen short. I will never be perfect until I leave this earth. It is through the process of confession of sin, repentance, and following closely after our Lord, who is the Redeemer and the Savior of my soul, Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus is Lord, that all of this takes place. I also will share Leah's post on all of the Psalmscast social media pages. Thank you, God, for your holy word and for its beauty, the beauty of love and the beauty of your love for us. We thank you, Father God, for your kindness, for your grace and your mercy and your love for us. We ask that you pour it out among us today in all that we do and all that we say. May we, in turn, pour it out to the world. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now for those who do want to dive deeper into God's Word, hang in here for just a few more minutes as we wrap up this part. We are coming to the conclusion of the Gospel of Luke. Today, we are diving into chapter 23. Yes, I say, I just want to say, continue to pray For those that you know who have been exposed to this virus, who are struggling with the virus, who are recovering with the virus, Laura is still, she's trying to go back to work today. She's concerned about her energy. Kathy and Bill, Bill is still under quarantine. Kathy is not able to go back to work, and she has patience. She has a full load on Friday, and yet I'm actually going into the office today And I'll be sanitizing the office um, and calling all of our patients to reschedule all of Fridays into next week. So, yes, please, a prayer covering over me, um, just that God would give me wisdom how to do the things that need to be done to sanitize this office. Now, if you desire to connect with PsalmsCast to share any thoughts, to ask questions, to request prayer, or to request that I send you a Bible, the email address is psalmscast at gmail.com. You can also call or text. That number in the United States is 470-240-1509. And for those outside the United States, you can use WhatsApp. The number for that is 1-470-240-1509. You can also make connection using social media. PsalmsCast is currently on Facebook, Twitter, and MeWe. That's it for today. I am Denise. I love you, and I'll be waiting for you here tomorrow. Going deeper into the Word of God begins in five seconds. Into the Word of God, Luke chapter 23. Today before us is the testimony of what Jesus endured at the hands of evil men, motivated by the prince of darkness, Satan. Yes, the enemy of our souls. 
And he is still very much at work today to deceive us, to mix us up, and to drag us away, to make us doubt that God is good. So as I read, allow God's words to wash over you, to wash through you, and trust the Holy Spirit to plant these truths deep inside you and to unpack them for you in a way that you can understand and is very personal to you. Remember, the purpose of this section is for you to learn from the Holy Spirit how to apply God's truth in your life. The Gospel of Luke, chapter 23. So the whole council got up and took Jesus to Pilate. They brought accusations against him. Sanhedrin, We have observed this man leading our nation astray. He even forbade us to pay our taxes to Caesar. He claims to be the anointed one and a king himself. Pilate, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus, It is as you say. Pilate, To the chief priest and crowd, I find this man guilty of no crime. Sanhedrin, Growing more intense, He has been stirring up discontent among the people all over Judea. He started up in Galilee, and now he's brought his brand of trouble all the way to Jerusalem. Pilate, just a minute, is this man a Galilean? When Pilate learned that Jesus was indeed Galilean, which meant he was officially under Herod's jurisdiction, Pilate sent him over to Herod who was currently in Jerusalem. Herod was fascinated to meet Jesus, for he had heard about him for a long time. He was hoping he might be treated to a miracle or two. He interrogated Jesus for quite a while, but Jesus remained silent, refusing to answer his questions. Meanwhile, the chief priests and religious scholars had plenty to say, angrily hurling accusations at Jesus. Eventually, Herod and his soldiers began to insult Jesus, mocking and degrading him. They put expensive clothing on him and sent him back to Pilate. This ended a long-standing rift between Herod and Pilate. They became friends from that day forward. Pilate assembled the chief priests and other Jewish authorities. Pilate, you have presented this man to me as a rabble-rouser. But I examined him in your presence and found him not guilty of the charges you have leveled against him. Herod also examined him and released him to my custody, so he hasn't done anything deserving the death penalty. I'll see to it that he is properly whipped and then let him go. It was the custom of Pilate to set one prisoner free during the holiday festivities. Crowd all shouting at once. Away with this man! Free Barabbas instead! Barabbas had been imprisoned after being committed of an insurrection he had led in Jerusalem. He had also committed murder. Pilate argued with them, wishing he could release Jesus, but they wouldn't be silenced. Crowds shouting, Crucify him! Crucify him! Pilate countering a third time, Why? What has he done that is so evil? I have found in him no offense worthy of capital punishment. As I said, I will punish him and then release him. But they would not relent. They shouted louder and louder. 
that he should be crucified, and eventually Pilate capitulated, so he pronounced the punishment they demanded. He released the rebel and murderer Barabbas, the insurrectionist they had pleaded for in his place, and he handed Jesus over to them to do with as they desired. On the way to the place of crucifixion, they pulled a man from the crowd. His name was Simon of Cyrene, a person from the countryside who happened to be entering the city at that moment. They put Jesus' cross on Simon's shoulders, and he followed behind Jesus. Along with him was a huge crowd of common people, including many women shrieking and wailing in grief. Jesus to the people in the crowd. Daughters of Jerusalem, do not weep for me. Weep instead for yourselves and weep for your children. Days are coming when people will say, Blessed are the infertile. Blessed are the wombs that never bore a child. Blessed are the breasts that never nursed an infant. People will beg the mountain. They'll plea with the hills, cover us. For if they treat me like this when I'm... Like green, unseasoned wood, what will they do to a nation that's ready to burn like seasoned firewood? Jesus wasn't the only one being crucified that day. There were two others, criminals, who were also being led to their execution. When they came to the place known as the Skull, they crucified Jesus there in the company of criminals, one to the right of Jesus, the other to his left. Jesus Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. Meanwhile, they were drawing lots to see who would win Jesus' clothing. A crowd of people stood watching, authorities mocking Jesus. So he was supposed to rescue others, was he? He was supposed to be God's anointed, the liberating king. Let's see him start by liberating himself. The soldiers joined in the mockery. First, they pretended to offer him a soothing drink, but it was sour wine. Soldiers, hey, if you're the king of the Jews, why don't you free yourself? Even the inscription they placed over him was intended to mock him. This is the king of the Jews. It was written in Greek, Latin, and Hebrew. One of the criminals joined in the cruel talk. Cynical criminal. You're supposed to be the anointed one, right? Well, do it. Rescue yourself and us. But the other criminal told him to be quiet. Believing criminal, don't you have any fear of God at all? You're getting the same death sentence he is. We're getting what we deserve since we've committed crimes, but this man hasn't done anything wrong at all. Turning to Jesus, Jesus, when you come into your kingdom, Please remember me. Jesus, I promise you that this very day you will be with me in paradise. At this point, it was about noon, and a darkness fell over the whole region. The darkness persisted until about three in the afternoon, and at some point during this darkness, the curtain in the temple was torn in two. Jesus, shouting out loudly, Father, I entrust my spirit into your hands. And with those words, he exhaled and breathed no more. The centurion, one of the soldiers who performed the execution, saw all this and he praised God. 
centurion. No doubt, this man must have been innocent. The crowds of common people who had gathered and watched the whole ordeal through its conclusion left for their homes, pounding on their chests in profound grief. And all who knew Jesus personally, including the group of women who had been with him from the beginning in Galilee, stood at a distance, watching all of these things unfold. Meanwhile, a man named Joseph had been at work. He was a member of the council, a good and fair man, from a Judean town called Arimathea. He had objected to the plans and actions of the council. He was seeking the kingdom of God. He had gone to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. He removed the body from the cross and wrapped it in a shroud made of fine linen. He then laid the body in a cave-like tomb cut from solid rock, a tomb that had never been used before. It was preparation day, the day before the Holy Sabbath, and it was about to begin at sundown. The women who had accompanied Jesus from the beginning in Galilee now came and took note of where the tomb was and how his body had been prepared, then left to prepare spices and ointments for his proper burial. They ceased their work on the Sabbath so they could rest as the Jewish scriptures required. So, just a couple of notes here. Crucifixion is, is, was at that time, the favorite Roman punishment for insurrectionists, slaves, and prisoners of war. Anyone daring to defy the power and authority of Caesar was executed in this public and very humiliating way. Jesus, indeed, is a revolutionary. He didn't come to proclaim a new religion, but a new kingdom, a new way of life. He was, indeed, a threat to Caesar's way of doing things, a way that co-ops the religious leaders. Jesus' revolution is a peaceful revolution. He doesn't advocate the use of violence. In fact, when one of his disciples uses the sword to try to protect Jesus from arrest, Jesus heals the enemy and he rebukes the disciple. So Jesus doesn't support the regime of Caesar or to follow the usual violent path of revolution. He leads a revolutionary revolution in a path of love, healing, justice, and reconciliation. Jesus appropriates and transforms the symbol of their power into the symbol of his greater power. He makes the cross not an icon of violent domination, but the reverse. By hanging on the cross and speaking of forgiveness, Jesus shows that there is a greater power at work in the world than the power of domination. It is the power of God's saving and reconciling love. There was also a note regarding the tearing of the heavy curtain that was in the temple. This is very highly symbolic because this curtain separated the holiest place in the temple from the rest of the temple. So see in this act, a symbol of God opening the way for unholy humans to enter into his holy presence. Jesus' death brought forgiveness and opened the way for everyone, everyone who chooses to come to God. Others see in the curtain being torn the opposite meaning. 
God's presence can no longer be confined to any geographical place. The suffering and death of Jesus ended one age of human history, and now a new era has begun. Now God is on the move, at large, invading the whole world. And perhaps this graphic image means both. And yes, we are and we have been for the last 2,000 years, almost 2,000 years, been in that place of grace where grace and mercy and forgiveness have come and we can meet the Lord any place. The Holy Spirit resides in the true believer. Our bodies are a temple of the Holy Spirit of God. That's pretty amazing. But a day is coming, and we heard that in the Psalms that we heard today. He is coming. He will judge. And who knows? It very well could be in our lifetime. It very well could be in this new year, this new Hebrew year, which is 5,782. Yes, we are in day two. Yesterday was day one, and we are in a new Biblical Sabbath New Year. Yes, God is making yet again a new beginning for anyone who would choose to come.